Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I, of course, am Steve Dace. He is still Todd Erzin. And last I checked, that is over there, is still Aaron McIntyre. And you are you, and we appreciate you joining us here today for this program. Coming up a little bit later on in the show, uh, my daughter's going to join us. For fake news or not, we're going to approach that from a different perspective than we ever have before. Uh, I've, I've, I've put myself up for scrutiny on fake news or not plenty of times over the years. Sure. But... In this case, you know, when you live in Iowa and you have a presidential caucus, you, you get a chance to talk to people. People come to you because they want to know, hey, what's the lay of the land? You have some recommendations of who to hire. I mean, in 2016, three different presidential campaigns hired the person to run their Iowa campaign that I personally recommended them, Trump, Carson, and Cruz. Um, and so I'll, I'll talk to anybody. I just talked to, I had a long conversation with a Trump uh, uh, mucky muck just a couple of weeks ago. Had a conversation yesterday with a DeSantis one. And I made a point to him, because I I still have not had a chance to meet. No, that's right. We did meet once at CPAC, but like really meet and sit down and talk to. I, I still have not had a chance to sit down and have a meaningful conversation with Ron DeSantis yet. Um. Although, and I wasn't going to bring this up, but I maybe should. All right. Just in the interest of full disclosure, he actually did call me last week when I was recovering from the carving, literally what they did to my armpit, literally carving um, golf ball sized pieces of MR, MRSA bacteria uh, from my upper left. Is that trademarked officially going forward when we look back on this, the carving or are you still carving? Are you still dabbling? What dramatic effect. Listen, it was pretty dramatic, but and I'm going to milk this sucker for all it's worth. So to me, the carving sounds like I really underwent a, a traumatic experience. I'm not arguing against it. I just want to know if it's official. Is that, is that sufficient? Here's the thing. You want to you blow it up, right? You want to make it just land, okay, what the stakes were and how painful it was. But you don't want to blow it out of proportion either, okay? You know, so I thought the carving, I thought, kind of sounded ominous, maybe even nefarious, but didn't sound like cosmic. What do you think? As Does we it discuss, land? As we discussed that, I just realized that somebody's formulating a tweet right now with a, <laughs> several options to consider. Will, will there be a Dacian meme for unvaccinated fiends with the, uh, with the phrase, the carving? Uh, at some point later today we just spoke it into existence <laughs> yes. so say we all not, he, not many people can say that uh, somebody literally took a pound of flesh uh, literally from them, but uh, li- literally took a pound of flesh here yes. we are so i had a ch- i've not had so i've not had a chance to say this kind of stuff to the governor so i said it to one of his mucky mucks yesterday and we're going to discuss what i said because this part of it doesn't violate any you know, off the record conversation or anything. Uh, We will discuss it for fake news or not later in the show and see if you guys think there's anything to it, if it's fake news or not. So we'll do that later on in the show at the bottom of this hour for pop culture Tuesday. We're going to show you some data on faith-based films, man. That's going to blow your mind. And it was just something we literally just thought about like 30 minutes ago. And we start digging in and looking in and looking back, you know, going back. This thing goes back. It's been almost 20 years, Todd, since The Passion came out. Yeah. 2004 now. And um, you know what? I'm just going to, we'll talk about it at the bottom of the hour. 
this this will blow your mind when when you see this what is it how do you know if you're over the target or not how do you know well you undergo the carving that's one way to find out now there's another piece of data that shows it too we'll we'll, we'll show that to you here at the bottom of the hour but before we get to all of that let us begin as we always do with aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away what happened while we were away brought to you by another W4 DeSantis. Ron DeSantis yesterday announced new legislation that will strip Disney of the power it attempted to give back to itself over a parcel of land it owns in central Florida. Even joked about building a new state prison next to Disney World if the company doesn't toe the line. Maybe, maybe have a, another, uh, maybe create a state park, maybe try to do more amusement uh, parks. Uh, someone even said like, Maybe you need another state prison. Who knows? I mean, I just think that the, the possibilities are, 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 are endless. And so that is now going to be analyzed to see what would make, make the most sense. At the end of the day, we made the decision as a state, as a people, through the medium of our elections, uh, that we would not have one corporation uh, serving as its own government. Uh, that's not good government. Uh, and it's not something that we want to entertain in Florida any longer. And whatever rationale there was 60 years ago uh, to do that, clearly now we're in a much different era as a state. Two men were arrested on Monday and charged with conspiring to act as agents of the Chinese government in connection with a secret police outpost. They operated in Manhattan's Chinatown. That's according to federal officials. The men are accused of using the police outpost to intimidate Chinese dissidents living in the United States on behalf of the People's Republic of China. The Canadian Broadcasting Corporation announced yesterday it's following in the footsteps of NPR and leaving Twitter because the social media platform slapped a government-funded media tag on its accounts, letting the world know they do indeed receive government money to fund their operations. The CBC said it only receives less than 70% of its funding from the government. In response to that, Twitter CEO Elon Musk slapped this label on their account, which reads 69% government-funded media. The Elon Musk Tucker Carlson interview dropped last night on Fox. Musk said he's grown disillusioned by the bias of artificial intelligence, so he's going to be making his own AI chat box. Uh, like the intention with OpenAI was uh, obviously to do good, but it's not clear whether it's actually doing good or whether it's. I, I can't tell at this point, um, except that I'm worried about the fact that. Uh, it's being it's being trained to be politically correct, which is simply another way of, of being untruth, saying untruthful things. Yes. So that's that's a bad sign. There's certainly a path to AI dystopia is to train AI to be deceptive. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to start something which I know you call Truth GBT or uh, a maximum truth-seeking AI that tries to understand the nature of the universe. Apple is teaming up with Goldman Sachs to introduce a new savings account that Apple Card users will have access to that will grant deposits into those accounts an APY of 4.15%. That APY, the annual yearly return on deposits, absolutely dwarfs what any small or regional banks can offer. What could go wrong? The former Biden administration official accused in two separate stolen luggage cases in different states was ordered to pay one of his victims back, but given no jail time Tuesday after he pleaded no contest to the bizarre theft. Sam Brinton, who is a sexual deviant with a mental illness, was given a 180-day suspended jail sentence for stealing a woman's suitcase from Las Vegas's Harry Reid International Airport back in July of last year. As a part of the plea deal, Brinton was charged with a misdemeanor instead of a felony and will avoid jail time. Headline from the New York Times, How Gay Men Saved Us from Monkeypox. 
James O'Keefe of O'Keefe Media Group caught up to the face of the mental illness known as transgenderism at the Four Seasons Hotel in Beverly Hills. Dylan, this is James O'Keefe, OMG. Women are being raped in a prison in Washington state by men claiming to be transgender. There's footage of them talking about the rape. Do you have a comment on the story here uh, of the w women being raped by the men claiming to be transgender? James O'Keefe, OMG News. Um, do you, what do you think about the women who are being raped by the men who are transgender? Do you have a comment about that? Please don't come in the elevator. Oh, FDA Commissioner Robert Califf was interviewed by CNBC recently, and aside from claiming so-called misinformation is to blame for the lowering of the life expectancy for Americans and calling for more power to deal with said so-called misinformation, Califf also had these comments about off-label use of drugs. How does the FDA perceive what risks might arise from that when you've approved the drug for certain patients, but they're perhaps being used a lot more widely and even compounded versions of these drugs sometimes which is you know even a whole new frontier well let, let's separate those two things i mean off-label use is very common and we can't interfere with the practice of medicine and we won't do that mm -hmm. we need to make our communications clear about where the evidence exists for where the benefits outweigh the risks I'm a, you know, up until recently, I was a very busy practicing doctor, and I wouldn't want the FDA telling me what my judgment should be when I see someone who doesn't quite fit the criteria, but there's a good chance it's going to work, and we've had that discussion uh, with the patient. It's unclear whether he's talking about chemical castration for minors or hydroxychloroquine for COVID. And finally, Team DeSantis on Twitter produced this ad. Take a look. Team DeSantis presents Real Man! of women's sports. Today, we recognize the men who've hacked the system. Hacked the system! Once mediocre in the men's division, now cream of the crop in the women's. From mediocre to champion! You couldn't cut it with the boys, so you pushed women off the podium. Real men steal first place. Because without you, sports would be fair. Without you, women's sports would be for, well, women. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Patriot Mobile. Americans have had it and are desperately seeking a parallel economy and alternative options to woke corporatism. Really, that's fascism. Uh, unfortunately, not too many options exist, which is why when they do, and it's with a product we all need in modern times, take full advantage of it via our friends over at Patriot Mobile. They can offer you dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks. So you get the best possible service in your area, and you can make that switch from one network to another when you're a member anytime you need to for free. Uh, and you can make the switch right now and get a free activation when you do. Uh, and you go to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve and use the promo code Steve to make that happen patriotmobile.com slash steve promo code steve or you can use promo code steve at 878 patriot that's 878 patriot coming up in the overtime today a very disturbing new ominous uh, data trend when it comes to what is happening happening with american health and no this is not poison poke related well at least not Directly related. Uh, the same people that gave you the poison poke are also, though, responsible for this epidemic sweeping the nation. Um, I shouldn't say more now. I will talk about it later today uh, and we'll discuss it uh, in the overtime. But I want to make sure don't miss it. This is something you definitely want to make sure that uh, your family is aware of and um, don't let this happen to you. 
Uh, we'll get into it later today at blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace. All right, a couple of things that, uh, first of all, uh, I, I, that FDA commissioner, is that for real? When you hear the term gaslighting, if you've ever wondered what it means, it's that clip right there. And Aaron's reaction, who knows if he's talking about gender uh, mutilation surgeries or hydroxychloroquine. Uh, I mean, talk to my friend, Dr. Molly James, about interfering with doctors practicing medicine, not being able to get prescriptions out to people. I mean, you guys here in our audience fully funded a federal lawsuit that is still ongoing with one of my best friends that they tried to basically tried to kill by denying him an ivermectin prescription from Dr. Molly. And I mean, reduced him to having to use the horse pace to save his life. He tried to strip Peter McCullough of his medical license. Yes. Arguably the most renowned cardiologist like in American history. Yeah. Just complete and total bastards that ought to be put on trial for their lives. But there's two other things I want to discuss. Because they delve into an area that we don't get into a lot because we've got too many other areas to discuss right now, but technology and how it can be used to usher in a new society. The story that Aaron highlighted there with Apple, what's the percentage? Last I saw, Aaron, about 75% of phones are Apples compared yeah, to it's a Androids, percentage. right? Yeah. I mean, it's an overwhelming amount of people own an, own an iPhone compared to an Android, okay? So, so here we have really the largest personal technological device manufacturer on planet Earth, Apple, getting together with perhaps the most influential investment house in America. You sticking with me here? Yes. Follow me? Follow me? Okay. I just don't want to keep going. And the... and and. What they have joined together to create is, is an incentive system for you to abandon your current, well, there aren't too many local banks left. There's some, there aren't too many, but there are still some for you to abandon your local banking savings and loan or even national ones that you can at least play off of each other as they compete with one another by offering such an overwhelming deal. I mean, think of It's a Wonderful Life when they have the bank run there during the Great Depression, right? Okay. And remember how tempted people were to leave the Bailey savings and loan because Potter, is it 50 cents on the dollar? Is that what Potter was offering them? 50 cents on the dollar, dollar I think is what it was. Mm -hmm. And people were so desperate to recoup any of their money that they were willing to go to Potter during that sort of a panic for 50 cents on the dollar, right? What, what were the numbers on this again, Aaron? Refresh my memory. 4.15% APY. And I told you yesterday, for instance, like uh, Bella and I's savings account for the amount of money that we usually have in there, it's about 0.7. All right. So 0.7 and, and, and 4.15, you said? Yep. And 4, 4.15... As we do, what's what's the percentage of increase here? And they're claiming they're claiming this is ten times above the national average. It's, it's, it's got to be more than that. That's four hundred and ninety-three percent. 
In other words, you could make this switch right now. A lot of times they'll tell you, depending on the investment, what, 11, 12, 13, 15% ROI is pretty good, you know? You could, you, just by switching your account to these guys, you are looking at a 493% ROI because of the difference in the APY they're offering. 493%. So go back to the end of It's a Wonderful Life. I'm willing to dump the Bailey savings and loan during a bank run. Have you had any bank runs recently? Have there been any of these in the news recently? Can you guys know? Maybe? I don't know. So in the middle of a bank run, I'm going to drop the Bailey savings and loan and run to Potter for 50 cents on the dollar to cut my losses, basically. Cut my losses. How many people do you think might flock to this endeavor for a 493% increase in APY? I'm guessing the answer is a lot. I'm guessing the answer is a lot. They've tried to introduce their own digital currency. Uh, A consortium of states are rising up to say, we're not going to do that. We're not going to implement that here. But just like we saw with the jab, whom did the government have institute the poison pill mandate or the poison poison poke mandate whom did it did the government have field hospitals on street corners with uh with national guardsmen hauling you off to get poked is that what they did no they bribed the doctors yeah and no they and the corporations they had the corporations impose it you couldn't work the private sector in some places in the country you couldn't go to a restaurant couldn't go inside a public building they had the private sector enforce this because we're dealing with fascism now. The fusion of elites in the public and private sector for the purpose of dominate, dominating the larger populace. So how many people do you think, as Pink Floyd once said, are going to run like hell to this endeavor for 493% more than they were getting from their current lender? Their current, their current savings alone, their current banker. The answer is going to be a lot. A lot. And now suddenly, you can use this new endeavor to introduce an alternative digital currency. You've, you have brought all these people under one roof. Cross state lines, all kinds of lines. And what you tell them, the government says, you don't have to switch to our, our digital currency. Fine. Governors, DeSantis and Nome and others, you don't want to implement this? Cool. Here's the thing, though. If you do, that APY goes up to, I don't know, just pick a number. How about 6.66%? You're picking up what I'm laying down. We're screwed. Yeah. So so you get an even higher AP. Where the hell did they come up with the number? Just make it up? What 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 whiteboard exists in the in the in the upper room, the upper chamber of Goldman Sachs to lay out how this would all be fungible, this would all be profitable, this would all add up. I promise you one doesn't exist. So we've brought all these people under this roof, first and foremost, 
to take advantage of a 493% increase in their APY. And then once you've got an Apple-like monopoly on the market here, the government now, it's a public-private partnership. They come in and partner with this endeavor for the introduction of a new digital currency. And you don't have to switch. You can use your precious cash if you want. But those that do, they're going to get an even higher APY. If you like your doctor, you can keep it. But Exactly, Todd. Exactly. And if you don't think that this is where that's going to go, or, they ha- or someone, someone there has been on a cell phone call from Davos to Apple HQ and Goldman Sachs to at least contemplate it, I've got a mask that they told you stops airborne respiratory viruses to sell you. Which brings me to Musk and the, the, the idea of a truth-seeking AI. Now, we've not talked a lot about the whole chat, GPEI thing on the show. Um, because I'm, I'm of the belief societies that are lost create things like this. They don't lead to lost societies. They're a manifestation of our own lostness. That, that, that it would not be good enough for us to pollute ourselves with um, being given over to our own depraved minds. Let us now create mechanisms by which we can pollute everything else around us. That is a fruit of the spirit <laughs> of the age. A different spirit. Fruit of the spirit. Different one. I got to tell you, what Musk is talking about, I find far scarier. Now that I want to discuss. Every algorithm is an assumption. There are no neutral algorithms. Someone had to create it. Someone had to install it. Someone had to determine its programming, its code, its parameters. These things don't just fall from the sky. Algorithms aren't truth to be discovered like the laws of nature and nature's God that the creator embedded into his creation. And it's just a matter of, can we find them and unlock them? They were already there. This is, this is the conjuring pun intended. I can beat and put up with you creating your own, vision, your own vision quest machine, your own trans AI, for lack of a better analogy. Because everybody knows going in, it's complete and total horse bleep. Everybody knows. It's just whether it's, it's, whether it's your horse bleep or not. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, whether, it's, whether it, it's whether it gets me off. Because it's, it's, feeding, it's my own feedback loop. It's your fetish. Yeah. Yes. So whether, so whether it, you're, it's your fetish or whether it's a fetish that disgusts you, we all know going in, though, a fetish it is. We all know going in. Literally no one believes chat AI is some oracle. Even the people that are getting their narrative fed back to them know what this is. It's a transaction. It's just a matter of who's the hooker and who's the John. What Musk is talking about, though, Man, this is Age of Ultron stuff. Seek ultimate truth to unlock the secrets of the universe, guys. I'm sorry. 
That is ye be like God kind of stuff right there. Who would program said algorithm? How would, how would the programming of said algorithm recognize what is and isn't truth? What is and isn't ultimate truth? What is and isn't the secrets of the universe? Are there some things we're not meant to know? Because we're finite beings, mortal coils. And just as there are with children, our own children, there are things they are not ready to know yet, things they're not ready to handle yet, things they're not ready to be exposed to yet, because by doing so, you will damage them and the people around them that they've now been exposed to as well. There are things that our Heavenly Father has therefore not exposed or shown us, because in this finite body that expires from the moment we come out of our mother's womb, it's the expiration date begins. Maybe we're not meant to know. Maybe we can't handle these things and we will be as dark and terrible as the dawn Galadriel should we find them. They're not meant for us. So who's the assumptor? It would seem to me to find ultimate truth to program something to find ultimate truth and to seek out the secrets of the universe, said machine would have to have embedded in it some presupposition, some premise of what ultimate truth actually is. So who's doing that? Elon Musk? Who's doing that? I really appreciate what he has done with Twitter. I think he's done a service to the Republic, maybe even humanity, frankly. But worldview is destiny. You cannot rise above your own worldview, no matter how well-intentioned you are. This is like what Woody Hayes once famously said about the forward pass. Three things can happen. Two of them are bad. In this case, three things can happen. All of them are bad. All of them are bad. This is a terrible idea. And frankly, I find it a hundred times more frightening than a bunch of MIT avocado toast, um, obsessed, skinny jean wearing, um, asexual because they jerk off to too much porn and couldn't get a girl if they tried losers creating their own feedback loop machine to further jerk them off and tell them just how right they are about the world. Everybody knows they're jerk offs. We know that. I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. I don't. I don't find it frightening at all. That's just the latest manifestation of their own sinfulness. What he's talking about, we're back to the garden. This is, this is, this is Gnostic stuff here. That's far more frightening to me. How would it, what human being among us is qualified to program an entity to know absolute full truth when they see it? Whom is? I will answer that question for you. There has never been one. Pardon me. There was one. He wasn't only human and we hung him on a tree because of it. That's it. This is all forms of a terrible idea. Am I overreacting to this? No, not at all. This is, we're perpetual Isaiah 1. 
after all we've been through on just gender and COVID in the last five years, and we still can't humble ourselves, it's Isaiah 1. Where would you yet be struck? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I genuinely, though, feel sorry for Elon Musk. I believe he's a genuine truth seeker. I believe he's a genuine truth seeker. It's harder for a rich man to enter into heaven than a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Or it's easier to pass for a camel to pass. I can't remember which one, one is first. You get my meaning, though. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk has tunneled into the earth with the Boring Company and sent satellites into orbit above the earth. And he wants a machine to tell him what the truth is about the nature of the universe. And some people, I, I posted that on Twitter actually last night. Some people have come up, well, he's talking about the, uh, I think the word was the corporeal nature of the earth. You know, what is actually truth in, 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 this, in this land mass and the physical things what, of which What we, he's talking about is good morning, Dave. How the heck would yeah. you be able to make any assumptions about what exactly. any truth is if exactly. you don't have the one truth down? Exactly. That is extraordinarily, one, nihilistic. I'm so sorry, Elon. Thank you for what you've done to Twitter. I am so sorry for all your wealth and your ingenuity and genius. You're still, you still haven't found what you're looking for, you two. Call your buddies over at the Babylon Bee. Hang out with them maybe a little bit more. Maybe I'd suggest that. Really quick thing, I want to go back and correct something I said last hour. I actually, or last segment, I actually had it backwards. Worldwide, Android actually has about 70% of the market share. Here in the US, Apple has a majority of the market share. It's about 60, hmm. 40, 55 to 45, depending on where you look. Worldwide, though, Google, I guess that would make more sense. They are, of course, the biggest company in the world right now. So Google actually owns about 70% of the uh, operating systems on mobile phones worldwide. But here in the States, uh, Apple is the leader by a fairly good margin. So just wanted to correct that in case any tech nerds came at me in my inbox, which right now, add your name to the pile. I've got like 300 emails since yesterday, most of them about nefarious, which is great, but it just might be a minute before I get to you. Um, it, it's been a minute since we've had Freedom Project Academy, Freedom Project Education with us here on the show. It's good to have them back because whether it's leftist propaganda, endless pronouns, critical race theory, uh, porn in your libraries um, that they make accessible to your kids. Let's face it. Government education, man, is, a, is a, just a it's a it's Satan's youth ministry at this point. So. That's why I want to talk to you about our friends at Freedom Project Academy. Uh, They have really perfected online learning in a classical uh, education environment. It's on demand. Uh, They do homeschool courses, K through 12, built on classical curriculum with uh, Judeo-Christian values, dedicated to the mastery of subject matter uh, so that your kids learn how to think, not what to think. You can save 10% on tuition when you enroll today at freedomforschool.com. That's freedomforschool.com. That's the, that's the word for 
F-O-R. Freedomforschool.com. Save 10% right now when you go to freedomforschool.com. At the very least, go there and request a free information packet and see if it's right for you and your family at freedomforschool.com. I I know the people that started this uh, establishment, great folks, had my own son enrolled there uh, during uh, some of his homeschooling years, so I saw firsthand what they can do. Freedomforschool.com. All right, let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday. And I mentioned there's a data point that is going to blow your mind. At least it, it, at least it blew mine. All right. So right now, this is, of course, where we look at the intersection each week on the show between pop culture and conservatism. Okay. And uh, right now I'm, I'm at the, I'm, I'm literally parked at the intersection of pop culture and, and conservatism right now with my movie nefarious in theaters as we speak. And, um, one of the things that I, I saw Ned Ryan at American Greatness and a few others point this out, so I you know, picked up on it as well. The difference right now, guys, over at Rotten Tomatoes, which is the number one movie review aggregator in the country, is Rotten Tomatoes. Even a, even a lot of other big sites like Fandango, their movie review numbers, both user and critic, come from Rotten Tomatoes. They're an aggregator. And so right now, Nefarious has a 97% approval rating or average approval rating with registered users, the everyday people that are registered users at Rotten Tomatoes. With the critics, we're at 30%. This is actually an improvement. About 48 hours ago, it was 23%. We got another positive review in the last 48 hours. Just to be clear, as a neophyte on this, I mean, I know about Rotten Tomatoes. Is it just as simple as a thumbs up and thumbs down? Is there a scale that you report to when you decide? You give, you give it stars and things of that okay. nature. Yeah. Okay. Um, but a lot of times it really just comes down to, did you like it or not? Okay. Pass, fail. Yeah. And that's what it means. Is it is it certified fresh? Meaning that, you know, 60% of critics or more liked it. Um, or is it, you know, a Rotten Tomato, which means less than 60% of critics liked it. Okay. So whether something gets certified fresh or rotten is determined by the critics, but they do keep track of what the regular people think. And, and so right now on Rotten Tomatoes, there is a 67% chasm. Think I can't even contemplate that. And you know what got me thinking about it is this morning I did an interview with the Robertsons, so I'll be on Unashamed on their podcast here soon. And it was to discuss Nefarious, and, and they were all just blown away by our movie and very complimentary. And one of them said, I like to go see what, what goes on with the movie review sites because I tend to like movies that the public really likes and the critics hate. So I'm always looking for the movies that have the biggest gap between what the public and the critics are saying. He goes, I've never seen a movie like this. Every one of your reviews over on IMDb, which is another review site, uh, Internet Movie Database, every review is 9 or 10 out of 10 or 1 or 2 out of 10. He goes, it's kind of like reading the reviews to our own show. <laughs> Everything's a 9 or a 10 or a 1 and a 2. And, uh, and, he, and he also mentioned that even, the, even most of the critical reviews from users were like, well, it's actually very well acted and well made. I just hated the worldview. It's Christofascist propaganda. Okay. Which is true, but I digress. Um, so this, so he brought this up, and so after I got done with the interview, I'm like, I wonder, I wonder what Rotten Tomatoes to see where we were. Sixty-seven percent difference right now between what you all think, Pete, regular folks, and what the critics think of our movie Nefarious. And you got to think you're over the target, right? 
when with when there's a a chasm like this, you know. So before the show, we got to talking about this. And just on a lark, we were wondering how does this compare with other movies kind of in our genre, faith-based films, all right? Now that now that we're done tricking, I'm sorry, um, marketing it as a horror film to the Ninevites, we're just going to flat out now be honest about the movie now that it's in theaters. It's a faith-based film. It was always intended to be a faith-based film. We just packaged it in a way to bring people in that are being attracted to darkness to then uh, um, get them in the theaters so that we can then show them the light, albeit from a different point of view. Fair? Yeah. Okay. Guys, we went back and looked right before the show, folks. We went back and looked at the last 20 years of faith-based movies going back to The Passion. All right. These are the highest grossing faith-based films and our film. And what the critics thought of them compared to what you people, the people, thought of them. Look at this. This is going to blow your mind. Look at this. So the case for Christ, 76% with the critics or with the audience, 61% with the critics, a 15-point difference. Heaven is for real, 66% with the audience, 51% with the critics, 15-point difference. Breakthrough, met Pastor Jason Noble. He, was, he helped us with our movie, Nefarious, and this was his church where this happened, okay? 81% with the audience, 62% with critics, a 19-point difference. I can only imagine, which is very good. 91% audience score, 67% with the critics. That's a 24% difference. The Star, which is uh, I wanted to be good, but is not. It's an animated Christmas tale with a lot of big stars voicing characters from the Nativity. 70% audience score, 43% with the critics, 27-point difference. There's The Passion, 80% with the audience. Who's the 20% that thought that wasn't a good movie? I, I mean, seriously, did they all have trans surgery in the last decade? Are you an idiot? Okay. Uh, 49% uh, with the critics. That's a 31-point difference. Miracles from Heaven, 80% audience score, 45% critic score, 35-point difference. Jesus Revolution, 99% audience score. Congratulations to, the, to that entire team. That's, that's right now the most, or the most popular movie at Rotten Tomatoes that is in theaters in the country right now in terms of the audience score is Jesus Revolution at 99%. It's it still got 60% with the critics. So that's what a 39-point difference. Unplanned. So there's our filmmakers, right? Carrie Solomon and Chuck Consulman, Chris Jones. 94% audience score, 42% with the critics. That's a 52-point difference. This is another one of their films, God's Not Dead. 65% audience score, 12% with the critics. Hat tip for that one. That's very well done. <laughs> That's how you do it right there. How did, why did that movie go viral? Well, 12% of the critics who hate them hate America uh, hate, uh, liked it, so that's why the public did. War Room, 87% audience score, 34% with the critics. That's a 53-point difference. Son of God, based off the very popular TV miniseries by Mark and Roma Downey. 73% audience score, 20% critic score, 53-point difference. Now, The Shack is in our genre, even though it's based on a book that's a heresy called modalism, but we'll do that another day. But since it's in our genre, we'll count it. 76% audience score, 21% critic score, 55-point difference. You guys noticing that there's a film missing here? Yeah. 
And there's Nefarious. Look at this. 97% audience score. 30% critic score for a 67-point difference. We went back 20 years. And we could not find a movie in our genre that really even came close. Even, even I don't really want to count the shack because, again, it's a heresy. So let's count Son of God. It's still 14 points closer from audience to critic than we are. That's 20 years of data there, folks. And our movie has the widest chasm. Because that's what it is. That's not a gap, man. That is a chasm. The widest chasm between what the critics think and what the public thinks. That is crazy. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, Aaron, first of all, I think we need to get the nefarious laugh into your sound (laughs) catalog so we can uh, have it available after that. Listen, obviously without you, Steve Dace, uh, Chuck and Carrie... We're doing pretty well at the Gap. They'd earned their own reputation, yes. Now you add I was in, kidding them when we got our R rating. You guys only make rated R movies now. Now, <laughs> now you add in a smidgen of Steve Dace to the recipe, who, again, as I oftentimes tell you, that this is your career and how people decide not to go on full frontal assaults against them. They just simply decide they have to make you not exist. Case in point, I heard secondhand that you were uh, uh, reviewed uh, locally here. I know you know this happened with with uh, our year old buddy Mike Woody. He he on air gave it mm-hmm. a glowing review. And by the way, Mike Woody, for, if you're an old listener to this yeah. show, we actually brought him over yes. with us originally, and then we had to go to a nighttime show, and he couldn't make that work anymore. He's had some health issues, but Mike, I believe, is is still remains the only person in Iowa that caucused for John Kasich. Yeah, okay? he's a he's a Kus- Catholic. He used to go to my, or I went to, we went to the same parish, uh, in the past. Uh, Great guy. Yes, he's not a, decent, a communist. No, no, not one of us. Right, but not a communist and just a good overall dude. But yeah. here's my point about it. he gave a glowing review said it's the, it's the best movie that you could go see mm-hmm. and he the funny thing is uh, this is why i had to listen to it. he gave it to people locally they all know who you are they know you personally many of them have been guests in my home over the they years they pretended like they'd never i'm not kidding I know, I know. they pretended they'd never heard of you they didn't ask any questions they just waited for it to pass like Mike's gonna say his stuff that's what's going you add that into what was already going on with chuck and carrie and of course this was gonna be king kong on this list aaron what do you think yeah i i i heard that review as well uh that was that i i was actually laughing out loud by myself in the basement uh, listening to that go down um it is striking it is striking because i mean who knows what the rest of the theatrical run will have for this movie. Um, I will say, I will say the reviews that I have enjoyed the most are a couple of people that I saw on Twitter who did not do their homework about what this movie was, who were lured in. In fact, I want to find this real quick if I can, who were lured in by the effective marketing of said film and who walked out because they realized once they got in, 
what it actually was. One of my favorite reviews came from somebody named Two Brain Cell Becky on Twitter. <laughs> Two Brain Cell Becky went to see Nefarious completely blindly, thinking it was just a scary movie, but it was actually some bizarre Christian nightmare masquerading as a horror movie? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Literally made by the people that did God's Not Dead movie. Uh, crying emoji, help. There was genuinely a 10-minute hey, scene. You fell for it. You only have two brain cells by your own admission. I yeah. mean, really, that's kind of on you at genuinely this point. Genuinely yeah. a scene where the demon was talking about how evil abortion is, question mark, exclamation point, and making Bible metaphors like we literally had to walk out L-M-A-O-O. Now, you might think brain cell, uh, two brain cell Becky, who might have one brain cell left. I don't know. Two brain cell Becky. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> She's a troll anonymous on Twitter. Didn't do her homework. Uh, she is every single... Uh, rotten reviewer basically every single negative th review that i have seen of that movie just states what she stated more eloquently mm -hmm. damn it i know this is a freaking sean patrick flannery that was james mcavoy that was that was heath ledger jack nicholson shining they know this they also know that the production value is at the very least good they know this yep and they just can't even because of the message of the movie and here's what i would say i haven't seen this yet but i would suspect this as well most of the rotten reviewers maybe other than the what is it goody two shoes down in arizona who just couldn't even with the fact that Glenn Beck was in it. But most of the negative reviews I've seen, I think they had the exact same reaction as two brain cell Becky. They were hooked. And then they realized what it was. Yep. And so they got pissed. And that is... Should, I know, again, it sounds trite coming from me. I understand that. That is the biggest helmet sticker. If nothing else, just from the outside looking in in this process, I'll say this for myself... That, um, that to me, seeing those reactions, you accomplished something. Mm -hmm. You accomplished something. You raised the bar. And that's probably the biggest compliment, at least from my vantage point, that I can give the, the film. The movie is so well made that it, it, if you're an unbeliever or a skeptic, it forces you to reveal if you're a sheep or a wolf. If you're a sheep, you're like, yeah, maybe I'm like James at the end, you know, I don't know that I'm, you know, jumping for Jesus necessarily yet. Okay. But I'm reassessing some things after going through that experience. Interesting film. You gave me some stuff to think about. Appreciate it. Right. Okay. Sure. If you're a sheep, that's your, probably your reaction. If you're a wolf, your reaction is like two brain cell Becky. Right. Lots of wolves. And there's, and as Augustine once noted, there are many sheep without, but even more wolves within. Yes. And we have invited many wolves into our churches and called them seekers. They're not seeking after anything except affirmation from you and advancement of their own belief system, not the cause of Christ. And what this film does, what the, what the church has not wanted to do in this era, actually put people on the record and show who they really are and whom they really serve. Are there any biblical examples of such things occurring? Any biblical precedent by which we're modeling our movie after? Uh, many. It's just not something that many churches emulate themselves.
back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Two days here with Aaron McIntyre. Todd Erzin, my oldest daughter, Anastasia, will be joining us here soon. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can take advantage of by emailing the program, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, TikTok. You can also find me on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there, but you really got to look there. Uh, If you are a podcast listener, thank you so much for being one of many of those we have. Please hit the subscribe or follow button. Give us a five-star review. Thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. Um, They benefit the show greatly. I'm not exactly sure how, but I am told, reasonably assured, in fact, that it does. So please keep doing that if you've yet to do so. Thank you to each and every one of you. This part of the program puberty this part of the program brought to you by pure health research you must start taking care of your liver now more than ever because the latest data shows that adults with fatty liver three and a half times more likely to have heart failure than those without uh maybe up to 100 million americans have fatty liver which means there's a lot of people there at risk and we know heart disease has been the number one killer in America for several years. So, and we throw everything in our liver from cholesterol to alcohol, toxins, Tylenols, statins, cigarettes, still about 20% of the country still smokes. That's why a lot of us have sluggish fatty livers. They make us gain weight, lose energy. Uh, That's why you want to get a hold of our friends that do the liver health formula an all natural supplement, which contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver. You can try the liver health formula and receive as a special gift a free bottle of their nano powered omega-3s as well keeping your heart healthy uh, try the liver health formula by going to getliverhelp.com slash steve getliverhelp.com slash steve that's getliverhelp.com slash steve i see that damar hamlin has been cleared to resume full football activities for the buffalo bills in other words it's good news that the nfl has finally stopped doing booster shots. Let's welcome in my oldest daughter, Anastasia. Good to see you, Princess. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. What are we doing this week? Um, So I thought I would pick some nefarious reviews that I think you guys can go a little bit more in depth with. I tried to pick ones where people have been sending in like some questions that they have or things like kind of follow ups to the movie without any spoilers, of course. Um, But I wanted to start off with this really heartfelt message that I actually read to you yesterday. Okay. Um, that I thought was really powerful. So I just thought I'd just read this and share his experience um, on the show really quick. So this is from Jared Mayhall. He says, my wife and two daughters lost our son and brother in a rollover. Mm. My faith grew beyond any understanding with our loss, but my wife and daughter's anger at God grew. No matter what I spoke into them from scriptures seemed to make a difference. I asked them to read the book of Job to make sense of what took place. So my last resort effort was a day date with my wife and daughters to go and see the nefarious film. Um, he said that the answers that they were seeking were found in the movie and he just wants to express his appreciation for the film. And he wants to go a little bit more into, um, context that his wife didn't realize how busy and that the extent that the evil one goes to mm-hmm. and in the rollover that took uh, their son's life he was not injured nor bruised in the accident but he wore a cross around his neck and all that was found of the necklace was the chain that was broken into three pieces but the cross is still yet to be found she now believes the evil one went after our son in the hopes to destroy our family but what she did not see is that God was there the whole time and protected our son before the evil one could physically harm him this is how 
God turned the table on the evil one through the movie Nefarious. So I, I just thought that was really no powerful yep. like and impactful that what that movie did I, for I him. I completely and agree. I've, and I've, I can't tell you, like I just said at the top of the show, I've got another 300 of these sitting in my inbox right now. I just have not had a chance to get to yet. But I mean, I have, I mean, I, I have gotten scores of emails similar in, in, in power and emotion and impact to that one uh, in reaction to our film. And um, none of us thought we were going to get rich making this. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to make a profitable movie. That's one of the reasons why there's only a few studios and they make profits by the volumes of movies they produce. Now, put all their eggs in one basket of this one movie's got to be a hit. Otherwise, I mean, you know, you have vendors, theaters, distributors. So many people put their hands in the pot before you ever get your cut as the actual content creator. Now, we don't want to, you know, flush our money down the toilet. Our investors are hoping they at least get their money back. But, I mean, the, the main reason we made this movie was missional. And because there's a lot of suffering, broken people, that the church has not properly reached out to, properly catechized. It's patted them on the head. It's, it's taught them how to have uh, five steps to a greener lawn. Um, five steps to managing your money better. Um, uh, five steps to, you know, being kinder, gentler than you already were. But it hasn't really addressed, it, it's really helped them create this facade that I am living a Christian life. But it hasn't really gotten to the heart of the matter, as the great prophet Don Henley once sang. And years ago, the first church you were, uh, that you, you can remember that we were members of, when you were a little girl, one that year, one they used to do Sanctity of Life Sunday every year, and then one year they didn't do it. And one of the one of the things your old man enjoys doing, one of his guilty pleasures, is asking men in power questions that they don't want to be asked, but I already know the answer to. I I really get off on doing it actually. And so I I took our pastor out to lunch over at Palmer's Deli here in town. Sat down, got together, you know. And then after about 10 minutes, kind of like the movie, you know, you mm-hmm. go see Nefarious, you think it's one thing. And then all of a sudden Nefarious says, Hey James, what's Melanie up to today? And, you're, and that's like the whole movie turns upside down after he says that. And it, and it becomes not what you think it was going to be going mm-hmm. in. Right. All right. So, you know, similar thing here. We get to sit down, explain, ex- exchange pleasantries, you know, and then we're into our, into our spinner salads. And I just happen to look at him and say, Hey, I noticed we didn't do Sanctity of Life Sunday this year. Why not? gets real quiet and uncomfortable at the table i mean i know the answer i just want to make him say it and he finally says to me we just have we didn't do it this year because we're afraid that there are too many women in our congregation that have had abortions and we don't want to bring that up again and spontaneously i pounded the table at that deli so hard much of the restaurant went quiet and i hearing the thump and i looked at him i said how dare you you are going to leave those women in their, in their shame. You're going to leave them in their pain. You're going to leave them in their guilt. You're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to give them the light. You're not going to let them experience forgiveness. Yes, that requires owning up and accountability, but you're not going to make them whole. You're just going to have them just carry that around forever. That's not, that's not the love of God. That's freaking cowardice is what that is. 
And that's what we've done. That stuff doesn't sell out our large pottery barn suburban megaplexes. It, it, it doesn't make people want to give more money. Um, and so we've convinced ourselves that a, a, a culture that has been educated from kindergarten on self-esteem and gets, and, and gets affirmation everywhere they go, no matter how depraved they are, just, just hasn't been loved enough. But what we really mean when we say that is nice enough. That's what, they, that's what we really mean. Mm-hmm. We don't really mean loved enough. We mean nice enough. That's what we actually mean. They, we, someone just hasn't been nice enough to them, brought them enough meals when they were sick, mowed their lawn when they couldn't do it when it was too hot someone just hasn't done that enough and that's what and that's why they that's why they haven't believed it's a lie and we've got 30 years of data we built the largest churches this country's ever seen and it's the darkest it's ever been it's not the approach people don't turn to the light if they aren't afraid of the dark that's just how it goes this gentleman here has lived in the dark. He has faced the dark and it came up to him eye to eye. And when that happened, he had no alternative but to turn to the light. There was nowhere else to go. The only other alternative is to sink further into the darkness, right? Mm-hmm. And, and now there's real life change in that note, real impact in that note. Somebody's not some shiny, happy, fake Christian that really is, is an image of a stereotype that the world who hates us has of who we are and not whom we're really called to be. End of rant. No one, I, I was telling someone last night that like once you get past your own pride and your own ego, there's so much comfort in knowing that I am not God and that, and that he is God. Amen. That is, that's like, it's comforting. Once you push back your own human emotions that's right. and your own human actions and you realize when things happen to you or when you make mistakes, it's extremely comforting and an overwhelming sense of love to know I am not God, but he is. Amen. Very well said. So holistically pro woman said, so I've been getting this question a lot, a lot from a lot of people. So I'll be interested to hear what you guys say. Um, first off, she says, thank you for making this film um, and everyone else involved. She said, I just got out and stopped into Big Lots and let out a huge sigh at the register, not realizing I was holding in so much. I apologized to the cashier and said I had just gotten out of a really good movie, Nefarious, which is a psychological thriller. I couldn't believe how much was in there to digest and told her she should go see it. She sounded interested and said she loves these sorts of movies. This got me thinking that while I know you've encouraged many to take their friends and family out afterwards, but what about folks like the cashier who go to see it? To where should they turn to after the movie? What can we do to get these folks to processing and coming home to him and not despair? I think because we have so much tech at our disposal, like these phones, that there's this idea that there always has to be an app or... And I mean, I could foresee that, in fact, we've had some preliminary conversations about this. I, I could foresee coming up with a, like a, uh, a follow up, a video curriculum for small groups and stuff like that for uh, where the movie is concerned. Mm-hmm. OK, but understand, guys, that the the church spread like wildfire across this planet for, you know, nearly two millennia without any of that kind of stuff. And so. The answer is you. The answer is, you tell that person at Big Lots, tell you what, here's my number. Here's my email address. If you don't want your number going out, give them an email address. Here's my email. You go see the movie. You know what? Coffee on me, breakfast on me, dinner on me, lunch on me. Love to talk to you about it after you have a chance to see it. 
You see, I mean, what what did the church do for nearly two millennia before there was mass instant communication? It was hands and feet. Yep, hands and, hands feet. and feet. It was very relational. That's how people. That's how messages were spread. Um, and so I, I, this is where we have to get out of our comfort zones, and be willing to, you know. And so hey, I I get it, man. I mean, I got. You know, my house is under constant video surveillance and everything else. I understand it. Okay. I mean, Amy and I have even begun having the questions. When do we reach the stage that we've got to have our own security person, like what people like Shapiro and Glenn Beck have. All right. Um, so then, you know, create like a Gmail or Hotmail account that you can generically give out to people that you don't mind people having where you can follow up with them and engage them and be, get to know them a little bit to see if they're kind of on the up and up. You know what I'm saying? But the answer really is you, you being, you being the, those hands and those feet, you engaging. There's no, there's no substitute for you. Um, you're a vital instrument in God's plan. God's plan doesn't rely though on you. That's a different statement. I mean, if there's no one's going to go, the, that, that person at Big Lots, if you never go back to them, isn't going to end up in hell because you didn't go back to them. God doesn't, like you were just saying, God doesn't leave it up to us, doesn't leave mm-hmm. it on us, okay? But you get the privilege of being a part of his plan, you know? So in, in these sorts of cases, man, have a, an email account, you know? Um, or whatever that you, that, that if you're worried about people getting too personal before you get a chance to know them, but something where you have the ability to be in contact with people and get to know them, build those relationships. That's what I would do. Yeah. Um, so the next one was, um, from Christian. He said, went to see Nefarious with my dad today. Very good movie for such a small budget. It is mostly what it needs to be. Good acting all around. Quality editing with good production and cinematography. The character Nefarious is astonishingly true. Is astonishing, truly. The message goes very far, and I love that. However, only mild critique of the film is that it doesn't go far enough. Highly recommended for the masses, of course. Great work, Steve. So what is, what is your response to that? It doesn't go far enough. I, guys... Mark the tape. On April 18th, 2023, put this on your bingo card. I have finally been told I didn't go far enough. <laughs> have you guys ever heard that from us? You guys didn't go far enough. All right. I, I don't know whether to be disappointed in myself or proud. Okay. Um, uh, that That is... And I can I count it as constructive, but that is a, criti- a constructive criticism. I'm not sure I have ever received in my entire career that I didn't it didn't go far enough. Um, Without specifics, though, this is almost meaningless to me. Why so? You didn't go far enough. How? I mean, that to what point? To what end? I mean, there's. A- I mean, I would take that to mean you want. I don't, I don't, this movie does everything other than the cheesy conversion scene, which I literally put in my contract, we will not have in this film. So it does everything short of that. I mean, James is left cornered at the end of this movie. He is left cornered by either, well, what we were just talking about, Anastasia. He will either turn to the light or turn further into the darkness. And that's really what the ending of the movie is about. 
Okay. That's what it's about for James. For the rest of us, it's a warning that the battle rages on without getting into too many specifics about the ending. Um, but those are the two general themes of it. So, um, I just don't think the movie would have been served and its mission would have been served by going that far. Um, I just don't. I, and maybe you do, and that's okay, you know? But we, but I don't, and it's my company that risked the $7 million to make and market the film. So we get to make that call. You want one more or two more? We can do two more, sure. So um, this one is from Kimberly. Uh, she says, our review of Nefarious, we decided to take our daughter, her husband, and our atheist son. Mm. So when I, just pausing, when I first read that, it reminds me of that one line in the movie when, I won't say it so it doesn't spoil anything, but you know what I'm talking about. When James says he's an atheist. Yes. And then yeah, he, how, you how know. Nefarious responds yeah. to that. So I, yes. when I read that, if you've seen the movie, then you probably <laughs> right. understand my if reaction. You've read, if you've read the book, it's a line right <laughs> yeah. out of the book. So yes. I was like, oh gosh. Um, but she says, it was loved by everyone. We all agree the ending was somewhat left undone. How did he overcome the demon? Maybe open for a sequel. Our son who has decided he doesn't believe in God liked the show and I pray that it caused a stirring in his heart and maybe planted the truth in his mind not at all what we expected but the dialogue was great absolutely we'll need to watch this again I think it's the type of movie that will get better every time you watch there will be something new that you didn't catch the time before well done so I was I, even though she didn't ask I was wondering if you guys could speak to maybe how she can continue to speak into her son her son who's an atheist after watching that movie instead of wow mom I liked the movie okay cool son and then just leaving it like how can she continue to maybe speak into him i would consider either going and seeing it again with just him you know hey you know um we're having a mom and mom and son night out we're gonna go see it again just the two of us and you know take him to his favorite restaurant afterwards and don't force it but see if the opening is there to um uh, if he and if he doesn't present the opening ask a general question to see if he takes the opening and lets it go, but then don't force it. Or if you can't afford to go see it again, you know, it'll be out on, it'll be streaming later this uh, spring and summer. It'll be on DVD later this probably summer, maybe fall, maybe sooner, you know, and then you can have it at your home and watch it with him there and have conversation. But to me, this is where I would, if, if I were you, well, which of the two parents is he more likely to have a serious conver this kind of a conversation with? Because it can be different with different kids. If it's you, mom, you should be the one to do it. If it's dad, he should be. Mm -hmm. But you know, I, I would have a viewing with just him, then a follow up, and have and and think of the questions that you want to have discussed, and put him in a setting where he's at his favorite restaurant, favorite ice cream place, whatever you know, and um, so he's at ease and feels like it's um, not being forced on him. He's not being cornered in a way, okay? You're not setting him up, mm -hmm. right? Um, but that's what I would do. And then this last one is from Chloe. She says, the highest praise from our convo last night from my sister, quote, it actually gave you the whole truth. It wasn't just happy and good with a kid who's an angel. It gave you both sides of God's love and of evil in the world. And Chloe says, by the way, this is my 14 year old sister who has been on a dark path for most of her life. Seeing her make these connections in an almost tangible way was such a gift, praying that these thoughts will continue to rattle her and that this will be a turning point for her. Thank you for this movie and for not compromising truth. It's changing lives. So mm -hmm. I kind of thought the same thing as the review 
before that mm-hmm. i mean maybe your answer is the same how she can continue to speak into her 14 mm-hmm. year old sister as well especially because she's a little bit i guess we don't know the age of the son from before but 14 mm-hmm. kind of young i mean we told them the bad news that churches won't tell you these days by and large there's some but by and large they won't tell you this bad news anymore now you get to tell them the good news now and there are two groups of people this movie was made for. Um, it was made for, for Ninevites, not Sodomites, two different groups of people, right? One place is a forsaken land. The other place, um, repentance is still on the menu. It may be way down the menu, but it's on the menu nevertheless, <laughs> all right? So that, is, that would describe her sister, for example. Right? How do you know, by the way, if, you're, if the person you took with, a, took with you is a Ninevite or a Sodomite. This movie will reveal it. Another way of saying, how do you know if the person you took with you is a sheep or a wolf? This movie will reveal it. If they're a sheep or a Ninevite, they'll react like this. Much like James, they don't necessarily, they're not jumping for Jesus in 10 minutes, okay? But they're like, eh, that's thought-provoking. Gave me something to think Mm -hmm. about. I wasn't thinking about this stuff this way before. Seed planted, and then one plants, another waters, and God gives the increase, right? If they're a wolf or a Sodomite, then they just, you know, they're like the reviewers at Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it was really a well-done movie, well-acted, but it's Christo-fascist porn propaganda. That's a wolf, okay? So know that know that they've outed themselves, revealed themselves, and now you know that you should, um, you know, have interactions with them accordingly, understanding where they are at that moment spiritually coming from. So... Uh, that's the first that's one of the people that we made the movie for is for unbelievers to be confronted with the origin of the spirit of the age that they are buying into so that they they are forced to go on the record do you understand this will you if it's presented in a, in an in, as in, in an entertaining way with with a tone and themes that you're accustomed to in the kinds of movies you already go see will you give this a fresh look will you see it objectively and at least consider what we have to say that's a sheep that's a ninevite the other person that that rejects it regardless of it's like was it the two cell becky what was it brain cell becky two brain cell becky yeah that's a what that's a that's a sodomite right doesn't want any part of it okay now you know you know now Mm -hmm. you know and so the other group of people we made the movie for is for our own people. Do you know what's going on? Are you aware of the stakes here? Do you think any other generation of, of Christian churches in any other country would have had nothing to say about children being castrated um, in, in, in their town? Would have had nothing to say about children being basically spiritually raped which is, what, uh, which is essentially what a drag queen story time hour really is. It's really a spiritual rape. And, and you know, that library ain't too far from your church. Do you think we have nothing to say about that? Nothing. Oh, okay. They all got martyred um, and persecuted because they didn't have anything to say. They didn't confront any of that evil. That's why they got martyred and persecuted? No, it's because they did. We just don't want to suffer for what we believe. And so we let the world around us that we're called to witness to believe suffer on our behalf yeah, instead. Exactly right. And we call it loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. It no, it's not. You deserted them. You left them on the side of the road and drove by. Humming your Pleasant Valley Sunday and called it church. That's what you did. 
Yeah, because I mean, a lot of people have even been saying to me, like, I love your dad and I love his show, but I'm just not into this is too scary or I don't want to face, you know, the evil in the movie or whatever. But if you I like am- this show, this movie, its tone, if you actually see it, it it's it's an extension of this show. Well, that's what I said. Okay. too. And I also I mean, I'm like the Bible is scary. Like when you really read it, like it's obviously, yes, it's filled Nebuchadnezzar with hope, but it's is sent reality. by God to judge the people of Israel for going down into the valley of Ben-Hinnon and throwing their babies into the fire to Melech during that siege. He so deprives the people of resources that they, the Bible tells you right in the Bible, they ate their own poop. They drank their own urine and, and, and mothers actually bargained with each other who would kill their child for food today. And then you kill your child for food tomorrow. That's right in the scriptures, guys, right in the scriptures. They took nails they drove him nails that were like this long and drove him through his feet, guys, after they tortured him to near death, to the disfigurement. Literally, his skin is open. You see membrane. You see cartilage, flesh. They've taken so much skin off his back and his chest. That's in your scriptures, man. Come on, folks. It's not a trip to Nana's house, all right? It's hell on earth. Get a little tougher. A little. Or things around here will get a lot tougher. That I can promise you. Anna, thank you. <laughs> I was just thinking it's good. <laughs> I was just thinking it's a good thing I didn't bring TikToks today. Someone on Twitter was oh like, don't bring those. They're on the edge today. That's what Sun said. So I'm happy that we didn't do that. But In all, in all seriousness, listen, I, of course, you don't want to be consuming in mass the content of many of the trailers that some of the theaters are playing in front of this movie. Okay. Yeah. That's probably the worst yeah, part. Th- and, and that's, and that's why, and, and I wish, and that's our mistake. We didn't even, con- we have all been drinking from 30 fire hoses to get this movie to you when we could. It didn't even contemplate, didn't even bother to think the devil would leave it, nefarious would leave us one more parting gift. Here, let me load up your movie with some of the worst trash the imagination of depraved humanity can conjure. That's essentially what it did. So that's our bad. Should have thought about that. We're not a major studio. We have no say over what movies get placed in front of ours. Um, so. But it's your fault. It, it is fine. <laughs> no, you know, it's not your fault. We should have known going in and warned everybody, show up like 15, 20 minutes later. Yeah. Okay. Let the trailers run their course. Okay. But the movie in and of itself is nothing like all those other movies. It's it's not really, it, like I said, it's kind of an extension of this show. <clears throat> so if you don't think this show goes too far for you, then neither will the movie. If anything, it's just, it's an extension of this show, but better. I mean, it, because of the quality of the story that they tell. I mean, they take what Carrie and Chuck did is they took the themes that we talk about on this show every day and elevated those themes with the quality of the story they wrote and directed. And then what Sean, what Sean and Jordan do with the quality of their performances, they then elevated. Carrie and Chuck elevated my material. Sean and, and, and Jordan then came along and elevated theirs. Fair? Agreed. 100%. Yeah. You have any quick thoughts on any of this before we say goodbye to Anna? Uh, it's based on what you just said, your comments from people. I love your dad, but that, that was my biggest concern about this. And it echoes 
the movie way too many people i was having a conversation with a woman i met uh last night at a track meet that um way too many people think that the church is basically the oprah show yeah it, it's just self- with bible verses oprah with bible it's verses. just self-help yep. and the movie addresses this directly and like i i didn't think this was a war and nefarious has a very clear answer for that mm-hmm. aaron what say you no, I mean, this is, this is what we are up against. Tell me if you feel uh, just kind of the last conversation, or the last couple of the answers that you've had, Steve. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You're trying to fight the enemy while simultaneously wary about knives in your back. Mm-hmm. Does that sound a little bit like your career? Just a, a little, a little like bit? Like I said, the movie's an extension of the show. I mean, we're <laughs> trying to reach reach Ninevites who might be persuaded, who might be open with this message. While at the same time, and it's been limited pockets, but pockets nonetheless. Oh, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know about this. It's the, uh, it's the plugged in guy, which you guys have never heard of before saying, Oh, we need to be careful about pop culture, uh, you know, depictions of demonic possession. And it, this is the 11th hour. It's actually about 59th minute of the 11th hour. Yeah. Firing every bullet. That's what we're trying to do. It's a great point at the end there, man. It it may be time for a lot of things. One of them isn't being careful. We're way past time to be careful at this point in time. Err on the side of aggression. Solve your problems with aggression that we're at that stage, not at the be careful stage. All right, we'll come back with fake news or not in a moment. Hey, we all deal with pain from time to time. And there's two kinds of pain when it comes to physical pain. Clinical, if that's the case, then of course, make sure you're getting good professional medical care. Or chronic. And a lot of times that chronic pain that lingers uh, is a result of too much inflammation in your body. And it can go from annoyance to just, you know, taking the joy out of things, making you feel like you just can't do the stuff that you used to enjoy doing when you were maybe younger, healthier. And that's why you want to talk to our friends over at Relief Factor. It's not a drug. But it is a formula that was created by physicians who can prescribe drugs. It helps you to fight back against the inflammation in your in your in your body, particularly in your joints. Uh, you start for just a three week trial. See if you don't see a difference in three weeks or less for just twenty bucks. That's it. What do you have to lose for twenty bucks? And then you'll likely find out why about seventy percent of the people who start it end up sticking with it because of the results that they saw. If you want to see if you'll get similar results, go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com or call them at 804. That's the number four, 800, the number four relief, 800 for relief. All right, let's get to fake news or not. And you know, every caucus cycle, I will do this. Anybody um, that wants to have a conversation with me, media, um, People that work for campaigns, candidates themselves that want to have a conversation with me, uh, largely off the record about what I think the environment is in Iowa. Um, Are there even people I would recommend hiring? In the last caucus cycle in 2016, three different candidates ended up hiring the person to run their campaign that I recommended. Ben Carson, Donald Trump, and Ted Cruz, as an example. And so um, I talked to 
uh, Vivek Ramaswamy's people back in January, talked to one of the Trump people a few weeks ago, and yesterday had a conversation with one of DeSantis's people. And, and the majority of that is off the record. But there is one thing I said to him that I have said publicly, but we have not addressed it on this show. So I reset it on Twitter today. And I would like you guys to tell me whether or not you think this is fake news. All right. So here, here is what I told him earlier today. Let me find that tweet, actually, to make sure I get it exactly as I put it. I, I told him that DeSantis is going to inherit Trump's base. I, I, that's, to me, almost a given. Unless he does something stupid, which that's always on the table with anybody in politics, as we've learned, right? But, but I think he would, just as, you know, Rush, a lot of you have pointed out to me that Rush used to say before he passed that um, no one can separate Trump's base from Trump except himself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty good take. Pretty smart take. Similarly, I don't think anybody can stop DeSantis from eventually inheriting Trump's base but himself. There is no other figure. Trump has no heir. Uh, the next group of people in elected office, you could have argued maybe Carrie Lake was a logical uh, heir and would have been a very potent force along those lines. But then they stole the election from her in Maricopa County. So she doesn't hold elected office right now. Um, so they don't really have an heir. I mean, the, the, a lot of the people close that are the closest in political office to Trump are people like, you know, that, that have positions of, of authority are like Elise Stefanik, Kevin McCarthy, people our base doesn't like. So DeSantis is going to inherit this base unless he does something dumb. Either in this cycle or the next one should we last that long as a country. Trump is largely, not exclusively, but he is largely running on ego and spite more than anything else. I mean, his first Instagram post today was to sell more digital training cards, NFT. Um, and I can only imagine if, if he actually started to think he might lose this nomination, I mean, I, I think he would Saul Rage down to the last delegate with kerosene. Saul Rage down to the last delegate with kerosene. I think DeSantis would be wise not joining the octogenarian arsonist in this pursuit. He has no realistic heir. I would not re, I would not nihilistically join him in a race to the bottom. I wouldn't do it. I think DeSantis is right to run now. He has all kinds of momentum. He's the party's biggest fundraiser. Um, but at the same time, I would urge him to have a long-term view. He, oh, he is only 45 years old. Worst case scenario for him is he goes back to Florida to govern on one of the largest stages in the country. And if Trump wins, is the nominee and wins, DeSantis still has a massive stage. Trump is, the day he, he gets inaugurated is, is pushing 80, limited to one term, lame duck. Basically, your claim on the 2024 nominate, 2028 nomination, I should say, begins five seconds after Trump takes the oath of office. And if Trump loses, gets the nomination and loses, the day after the election, you're the, he's done now, forever. You're the new face. You're on one of the largest stages um, for another couple of years as the governor of Florida. Really, you're in a pretty good position here, actually. 
you you have you have the potential to get a couple of serious cracks at this if you play your cards right. I don't think you can beat Trump in a rage race anyway. I don't think it's possible to outrage, gaslight, egotist, narcissist Trump. I think that those are all his. That's why he's so good at the media because that's what they are. And he's just, that's why he's so good against them because he's even more ruthless than they are. They're just, they're just more legion than he is. And so they can hit him from all kinds of different angles at the same time. And it's kind of hard to, you know, what's the old Napoleon, uh, Napoleon edict? Don't, don't ever fight a two front war after what happened to him in Russia. I mean, the media makes Trump fight eight, nine front wars, right? And it's kind of hard to fight those no matter how ruthless you are. Um, but I think, and I've drawn this analogy before, the temptation when you come upon Saul dropping a deuce in the cave to finish him off right now, rather than, no, when, when it's the right time. I don't know if this will be DeSantis' time or not. I do think, though, that if he decides, I have got to, um, I got to fight napalm with napalm. I don't believe you can beat Trump like that. And I think it only hurts DeSantis in this race and then moving forward in the future. And that, and I think the tough thing where that's concerned for DeSantis is a lot of your, your advisors and consultants are cycle to cycle people. You know what I'm saying? They they're with you for this cycle and probably don't want to consider long term because they don't have a long term. They they if you don't win, they're going to be working for somebody else in the general election in this cycle. That's where you got to listen to your wife and people close to you and around you who are here long term before and will be here long term when it's over. Your best path to winning here is to actually rise above this now. To That's what I liked about the PAC, the Super PAC ad yesterday. It doesn't, DeSantis is not attacking Trump. He is saying to Trump, why have you betrayed your base? He's asking, he's, the whole Rush Limbaugh thing, why did you separate yourself from your base? And so that's a tough needle to thread. The male ego gets involved. All right, we're talking about a military guy and everything else and, and Ron DeSantis at, at this would require a lot of restraint, but in my opinion, allowing Trump to drag you into the mosh pit of a of a of a race of a race to the the biggest vat of kerosene to light everything on fire is a loser. It's a loser in this race, and I think it's a loser for Ron DeSantis in the long run. When you're only 45 years old, you should have a long run. Thoughts? Is that fake news or not? For the most part, now I do think. There is one way DeSantis does not inherit at least a sizable chunk of its base, and it has nothing to do with any other human being. It just has to do with the void. If there's an amount of the base that just decides to disenfranchise themselves uh, for any loyalty to Trump or just forget about this, I, I this is if Trump couldn't withstand this. Nobody can. The system is utterly broken. But I don't think that actually changes any of your analysis. I actually think that only reinforces it. You just be true to yourself. If that exists, there may be nothing you can do to change that. Mm -hmm. And trying to do it is going to make you equally as crazy as the void or not patient enough to let a temporary void just go away so uh, i i i largely think you are right he's 
been successful um, because the combination of efficacy and toughness with blows up so many shibboleths. Like the only way you can be effective is constantly compromising and meeting people in the middle. Sometimes that's true, but we've been lying to ourselves that that's the only way that that's true. He's he's won more battles by just winning fights, and that's crucial. I I, I guess the only thing going forward is because of you, you, it's one thing to say it's going to take an infinite amount of patience, but we're in the moment. We, we know how this goes with Donald Trump. Again, he is the weather. The man flat out came after Ted Cruz's wife. W what happens when he comes after Casey? You know, the, we, the, at some point, it's beyond politics. Uh, it's beyond the game. You know, there's, if Trump decides just to go that route... Really, it's just a moment, two men, a classic tale goes back to uh, the Greeks. Uh, and honestly, in some ways, you, you gave a seasoned Steve Dace political analysis there based on, and you just were talking about years and years and years of Iowa caucus, you know, front row seat involved at a at a uh, DNA level. But I don't know. This this thing may just be end up primal forces that have nothing to do with our machinery as we've come to know it, you know? Because that's, that's all face it. That machinery is pretty played out. I mean, you just talked about the, how the church in all of its ways, its modernist ways, and it's as dark as it's ever been. You've said this on this very show. I think the same applies to this politics. Uh, it it may end up that way, but I don't know. This may be this may be the end of all things. So I just don't know. Aaron, before we get to you, let me tell our audience about Birch Gold. Inflation has its consequences. Government debasement schemes have their consequences. Uh, Fed interest rates, out of control government spending, long term bonds diminishing in value. All these things have their consequences. Um, like, for example, depositors holding their breath, uh, bailing on bank stocks. This is one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why gold has historically been a great hedge against these sorts of downturns, government schemes, etc. Uh, and now, therefore, would be a great time for you to diversify uh, into gold with Birch Gold Group. They make it easy to convert an IRA or a 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do to get that process started. Just text Steve, just text Steve to 989 989-898, I should say. 989-898. That's 989-898 to get a free info kit on gold. Uh, that's text Steve to 989-898 today. Find out why Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, countless five-star reviews. Get started by texting Steve at 989-898. So I don't know what the path is to defeating Donald Trump. I really don't. I do know, however, there are a not insignificant portion I hope of GOP primary voters, but certainly of those who would be prone to vote GOP in a general election, that are indeed just sick of um, just the daily drama, that type of thing. 
Now, whether it's because they really just detest drama, because they expect their leaders to actually do a good job, or because they're just kind of part of the same COVID group, let's get back to normal, let's have the status quo back again. I, I don't know what segment of that is. So DeSantis not engaging in the rotten eggs throwing contest that Donald Trump will get into, I don't think that can hurt DeSantis. I don't think that in and of itself... I don't think that in and of itself will necessarily pave the way for a DeSantis victory in the GOP primary. Again, I don't know what that path necessarily is because I really don't know where all of the electorate is. We all agree that there is a segment of Donald Trump's base that will never vote for anybody else Agreed. other than Donald Trump, no matter, given, no matter what the cir- circumstances are. Yeah. But we're still, you know, we're what, eight months, nine months away from the first caucus. A lot can change in there. But I do know that not engaging in the mudslinging, I don't think that can necessarily hurt. I just don't think that's necessarily sufficient either. Can you guys, here's the thing, there's this reputation of Trump as a massive disruptor, but in the end, he's a Fed Reserve guy. I mean, in the end, um, uh, I mean, handed the presidency over to Fauci and Burks. In the end, sign how many omnibus bills after promising after the first one he wouldn't sign anymore. In the end, you know, uh, tried to primary Thomas Massey for being for demanding an actual v- a vote on the first COVID bailout. In in the end, he's still a he's, he's a kind of a system guy. I mean, his son's out there saying stop protesting Anheuser Busch stuff like that. So there's this uh, he does disrupt things in terms of style and decorum. He doesn't really disrupt things all that much on an institutional level. So because of the former, though, there's a notion that he could go full Teddy Roosevelt. Remember, Teddy Roosevelt came out of retirement because he was pissed off that Taft and the conservatives had taken control of the Republican Party away from his wing, the progressives. And he came out of retirement and basically sabotaged Taft's presidential run to hand the presidency to um, uh, to uh, Woodrow Wilson. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of thought from people I talk to around the country that that is exactly what they think Trump would do if he lost this nomination or even thought at the when we got to down to brass tacks as we're getting close. I am going to lose this thing. I'm not so sure about that, because in the end, if we wanted to actually see that instinct a lot from him as president. Right. And in the end, he just kind of made the deal every single time. He raged and raged on Twitter. But then when it came time to actually act, a lot of times things were actually fairly conventional. Okay? It's just the rage leading up to it was on the performance, whatever you want to call it, leading up to it was unconventional. But the, the, a lot of the substance of what was done was fairly conventional in and of itself. So what do you guys think here in the 30 seconds we have left? What would your bet be? President and candidate aren't the same thing. Fair. And this is a this is a candidate who is this is his last shot. Yeah, he's maybe at anything in life given his have, age. This is last chance to be on any on any meaningful stage at all given his age. He may have not even begun to shameless. We yeah. have to be aware of that possibility. Yep. Which I think reinforces even more what I said here. If I was DeSantis, I'd yeah I'd be like if I'm just going to play the long game then because I'm gonna I'm definitely going to outlive you. Mortally and politically, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.